Kneel Before Blog presents Kneel Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Kneel Before Pod, the podcast that will talk about something besides Star Trek One Day, Honest. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and that day is not today, as we are gathering to discuss the new film, Star Trek Beyond. But before we do that, I need to beam in my bridge crew. I think I've got the transporter fixed, so here goes. Energizing. And welcome aboard. Hello, where am I? <laughs> uh, that voice you're hearing is Sandy, who joins us again. Uh, how was the beaming? Fine, but you can give me my clothes back now. Yeah, I think I will. Uh, and Angus, Natalie, join us again for another chat about Star Trek. How was your beaming? <laughs> yeah, here in one piece. Here in one piece, good. I seem to have uh, got the bugs out of the, the transporter. I replaced the resonator array, so, you know, we're all... Uh, of course, that. Yeah, that. That was the problem. Okay, so we've all seen Star Trek Beyond, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to talk about it. So, before we go to spoiler stations, um, what did everybody think, without spoilers? I liked it. Okay. Liked it too. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I also rather liked it. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I sure liked it. Yes, I had the opposite reaction to the midnight screening I did with Into Darkness. Instead of walking home feeling really angry, I walked home feeling really pleased and that all the right was right with the world. <laughs> I didn't feel pleased. I was pretty sad. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you yeah. Because Chekhov is quite a big character Sorry. in it. He is, yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. Good old, good old Anton Yelchin. Yeah, because before, you know, in the other ones, he's there. He's sort of in the background. Being funny. Uh, and I didn't realise he'd been in it um, so prominently. Mm. Yeah, it was all a bit more poignant watching him this yeah, time around. Yeah, yeah. He's really... Yeah, he really became that character, and he's done it a lot more, and then the whole time I was just like, it's a sh- <laughs> <laughs> Wow, the, f- the first swear editing that I need to do, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just for you, Craig. Several minutes in, we're okay. okay. <laughs> so, we all liked it, which makes it a less um, balanced discussion than Into Darkness, I suppose, but, you know, we'll we'll fly the flag of positivity when it comes to this one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find something that we didn't like about it, so it's fine. Oh, there'll be some nitpicking. Oh, I know we will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can balance it out with uh, using a couple of comments that one of my friends that I went to see it with uh, said. So, if I can remember exactly what he said, it balances out the the positivity a little. He didn't like it. He didn't like it, let's just see. Cool. It'll be interesting to find out why once we get to that point. Mm. Yeah. So, um... If everybody's ready, we'll uh, set ourselves to spoiler alert. Everybody get to spoiler stations and prepare to talk about whatever you want when it comes to this film, not whatever you want. Should I actually move? Um, if you want. <laughs> It'll feel more real. Are you sure you want to go to a spoiler alert? It doesn't, it doesn't involve changing the bulb. It does, yeah. And the and the red alert bulb has um, not got much left in it. It's one of those old-fashioned 
uh, heat up your turkey bulbs, not one of these newfangled what? A bulbs. what bulb? Uh, light bulbs in the right concentration can be used to cook food. Ah. Uh, in confined spaces. Ah, uh, right. Susie, Susie home bake ovens or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So I've, that's the kind of light bulb I've got. So uses a lot of power and radiates a lot of heat. Fair enough. So. <laughs> Good to know. It signifies danger and causes danger. Mm, you can change that one then. <laughs> okay, so setting us to spoiler alert. We should start with talking about the characters because ultimately this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, who stood out in this film for everybody? We've already mentioned a person Pepper. that I've never seen before. Go on. <laughs> I think they all stood out in their own way. They all had um, their strengths in this. It was like a well-rounded episode. Yeah. In that in that case. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, chat about this film that says that it's like a, a long episode of the original series. And the last time they said it was like a long episode was Insurrection. And it wasn't mm. in its favour. So no. It's interesting how when you make an interesting two-hour episode, it's, um, it's better. Yeah, it was a good team effort. I thought they all kind of ended up paired off and had to work together to get back together as a crew. Yeah, rather than the crew just having to get Kirk and Spock to a location so they can do all the stuff. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a proper ensemble piece. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, having the entire cast read the uh, Space the Final Frontier speech at the end was a good way to cap it off and show that, that it is about all of them, not just one of them, or two of them, or, or however many. Exactly. True. Yeah, so um, Natalie, you said you one of the characters you hadn't seen before stood out. Which one was that? Is it Jayla? Is yeah, that her name? Yes. Yeah, yeah I really liked her. I thought she was cool. And she hot. Was. And cool. Cool and hot and cool. Yeah. Hot and cool. So yeah. cool twice. Excellent. <laughs> she was though, right? Like, oh my god. Oh, she sick. was. She was kick-ass. Yeah, she was really good. And uh, I was kind of expecting her to be a bit of a another James T. Kirk alien love interest. Um, but they didn't but no. do that. No, didn't even batter her. Well, I suppose he had a little look at her, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't you think she's got a weird mouth? Um, Jayla. Can't say I noticed. It- it's like she's got too many teeth. Yeah, I noticed that in uh, The Kingsman. There's, there's, oh, really? Yeah, that, that's the same person. The, the, you know, the, the woman with the, the blades for legs? That's that's her. So I've actually seen it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, she's strange in that way, but bye. everybody's different. I still thought she was cool and hot, so it's fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she blended well in with the, the crew, and I could see her replacing Chekhov in the next film. It's quite possible. Because it seems like she can do kind of a lot of the stuff he would do. Yeah. She knew Earth Kung Fu as well, that was good. She did. They, they she knew have, Earth language. Yeah, they have um, learned from Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have said that they're not replacing Chekhov and they're not going to write out... Uh, I think they said they're not going to write him out or anything like that. They're just not going to replace him. Yeah, he's just gone. Yeah. Which is really sad. Well, I imagine they will have to write him out by saying 
he's first officer of some other ship or, or something like that. I'd imagine, I'd imagine it'll be some sort of transfer, yeah. yeah. Where's Khalifa montage of him flying off into the distance? <laughs> <laughs> Could do that, yeah. Um, I don't think he has any identical brothers, though. Maybe he does. <laughs> have to splice some footage together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought from a character point of view, certainly Kirk stood out, and for me, and for the first time in three films, I felt like I was actually watching Captain Kirk. Yeah. Is that because he looks a bit pudgier? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he was the Kirkiest he's been in these three. Yeah, because he looked orange and pudgy. <laughs> the hair helped as well, although I don't know if it was a toupee. Yeah, it was, it was really good how he seemed competent, and the crew were clearly listening to him and respected him. And, um, yeah, instead of him being this, I don't know what I'm doing sort of guy in the last two films. His opening log was pretty good as well, I thought. I, I like that. Did you catch the, um, did you catch the, uh, the, the number of days that they were into the mission? Yeah, nine hundred. Five hundred and something. Yep. Nine hundred and nine. Something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like three years or something, right? Nine hundred ninety-six. Yeah. Is that Star Star, Yes, yeah, Star Trek uh, first aired in 1966. Yeah. Well, that sounds like an Easter egg for the end of the, <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> was it 900? No, it was 966, sorry. Yeah, the, the number of days is uh, to signify the date that it premiered. Not to signify that they're three years into a five-year mission, so we should expect another two movies. Also, That's how I read it. I also have one more Easter egg, but I'll release that at the end, just yeah. as you suggested, Natalie. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I like that he um, that he said it felt like his life was becoming serialised and that it was very episodical. <laughs> that was that was a nice nod. I, I actually tittered at that. That was yeah. quite funny. Although you have to wonder how boring is the five year mission being so far? Then I mean, I gather that they've not fought the Doomsday Machine or or found any weird space amoebas or anything like that. Oh no! It's space amoeba. Yeah, there's an episode about a giant space amoeba. It's quite, it's really good actually, and uh, it threatens cool. to destroy the galaxy. Oh, that does sound cool. But uh, it runs into Kirk and uh, meets its meets its match. Yeah, it's more Spock that destroys it actually, but just minding its own business. He's the equal or better of a space amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would seem so. <laughs> From the sounds of the log, it sounds like the the the, the five year mission is. Is fairly um, routine. without r- routine and without any kind of real um, ev- ev- event going on, apart from this this one scene that we see him at the start. Um, oh, that, yeah. that, those we th- those little guys. Oh, that was that was funny. I knew they were going to be small. <laughs> Did you just saw the way yeah. his eyes flared when he started getting annoying? Yeah. It went. Oh, that's that's too cutesy for some big. Big thing that the yeah they're gonna be yeah that's well that that opening scene um, kind of set wrong expectations for me. I saw that opening scene. I thought it was dreadful. I just thought everything about it was dreadful, and I was sitting there thinking, oh no, I've got did you not catch, two hours of this. Did you not catch that he was using very very Shatner esque inflections? Yeah, yeah. I I thought he was very Shatnery in yeah. that uh, in that sequence. Yeah. That, that that's that's I think that's uh, why that scene's so good as well. I don't well, think it is good though to to try and be Shatner. Why is he not oh, trying no, to be his not. own? I don't know. Kevin Pollock's made a pretty good career out of trying to be Shatner, so. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that somebody else should try and copy them, though. 
No, um, I think Chris Pine brings enough of his own stamp on Kirk, but every now and again he'll have a little bit of Shatner. I thought this one, it felt very much like he was trying very hard to be older copies. I still liked it, so I'm a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, there, there is an element of imitation going on, but I don't think it's too um, It's not. It's too not obvious. too... It's not too, too uh, obvious, and every now and then it's it's just quite a nice homage. Yeah. So, do you think that opening sequence was meant to be kind of campy to kind of uh, recall the the original series? Yeah, you even had that line where he says, "I ripped my shirt again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought those I thought those beasts were a bit cartoony and a bit lure of the planet Omicron Percy I eighty, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, it's also the fact that they essentially abducted two of them and didn't send them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah what, ha- what happened to them? You well, you see one. At, you see one at the end, and he's <laughs> still you? refusing to. He's still refusing to wear pants. Yeah. Or that, 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 that's American for trousers. When they're having a drink at the end, one of them is in the well, is in the bar or in the lounge. With oh, them. I still think that they've become friends. Or they or he's just not been able to get back to his home. He's a prisoner now. <laughs> oh my god! He, he was snorting oh. a little bit. I, I, I guess he's still not Kirk's friend. Yeah. Well, interesting. It would be interesting to know, though, he was wearing a blue shirt. I wonder if that was a blue um, duty shirt, or if that was just a, a blue, uh, just any kind of shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> well, yeah. None of the rest of them were in uniform, so maybe <laughs> well, it was just... Very true, very true. There's that point. But someone, someone, someone in my group suggested that he had joined Starfleet, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure. No. <laughs> I hope not. I can deal with Keenser kicking about, but not, but not one of them. He might have been the medical officer on duty at the party. <laughs> the, guy, the guy with like the wax face. Yeah. No, the, the the guy we've just been talking about, the one that got abducted by them. The one that's like a little dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The little Pokemon guy. Why are they trying to clothe them? This is exactly like America. <laughs> trying to come in here, tell people to wear clothes. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think I would have personally just taken them home, but you know. Whatever. Honestly, like in Flight of the Navigator, when the spaceship goes around picking up all these creatures from all the different planets, and then they're then they're just left without their families and away from home, and it's so sad. Hmm. So Starfleet in the alien accidental alien abduction business, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the next one they can quest to take them home. Maybe that wee guy sought adventure and decided to stay. Maybe. It's Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. It's quite possible. You only see one of them at the end, so presume, presumably the other one perished in the crash, or... What? Really? Sent, Why or, would you say that? Or was sent home. Why? No, so now it's alone. Not even got, like, another thing to hang out with. Well, I don't know. Right, you're making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's stay off this guy. I think we've spent more time talking about him than we have Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Kirk. Excellent. So, um, Kirk's arc in this film, he basically has to realise why he's passionate about what he does. Because he's kind of forgotten. Yeah. Well, because space sounded a bit boring in the beginning. Yeah, that's because they've not had all the original series adventures. Yeah. Mm. He's considering... Yeah. Taking up the vice admiralty. Oh yeah, that was yeah. confusing. Was it? Yeah, I didn't really know what was going on when that bit happened. I was like, "Why is he in trouble? What's going on? Why no, is he talking to her?" He was, he, was he was wanting a change of pace. 
Yeah. Uh, I think I'm not doing okay, but a bit. I just missed. I was talking to her, just got very severe. Yeah, I think he kind of wants to. He seemed to want to put down roots and get away from the, the the mundanity of space travel, where he. Is it because he sees that guy with his family? Uh, Sulu. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Uh, It's it's definitely clear that he's not a hundred percent happy at the start of the film. He feels like he's going through the motions, and and that's also hitting the rest of the crew because they'll look to their captain for support and, you know, inspiration and if he looks a bit bored, then they're going to be a bit bored, so everybody's kind of just working and not much else. Yeah, well, the uh, the, the closet full of nothing but uh, but uh, uniforms was was shorthand for, yeah, every day is the same. Yeah. And then he has a... Then they have a unpredictable adventure and he's all excited again and, and turns down a promotion. Until next time. Unlike his predecessor, who took a promotion, as in Shatner's cut. Is that the military guy? Uh, no, no, Pike. Well, he took a promotion too, but I mean, Shatner's Kirk took a promotion and then regretted it. Mm. He didn't like being an admiral and wanted to get back out into to space. So, I guess they were trying to go for the bit, the opposite sort of thing here. This is the Kirk that wants to be. Wants to rise up through the ranks rather than wants to be anywhere else but where he is, you know, in, in terms of his... By career. the way, how cool was that, like, built planet that they were on? Yorktown. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. Oh, the star, the, the space station, I thought, yeah. The, the yeah, whole... all the rad buildings and you're like, oh, how's gravity working and how's that skyscraper? Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. I really liked cool. the, the tour they give you and when you first see it and you kind of fly over and see all the different uh, aspects of it. Yeah, try to figure out how it works. Yeah, the Mass Effect Citadel sort of look. Yeah. How would, like, how would the centre of it work? Well, the idea, I think, is it's so big that it generates its own gravity. Okay. Uh, I don't know. In the centre there, they're they're flowing. They're they're in the centre there. They're um, they are floating quite freely. Yeah. Or maybe it's the back in the first episode of Enterprise. They established that any ship with artificial gravity has a sweet spot where you can sit on the ceiling and stuff. It's yeah. it's, It's roughly in the middle somewhere because that's just how the the gravity generators work. So it could be the same principle. Indeed. Ooh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice the floating people, but I was just thinking about centre points and stuff. Well, uh, in the in the final in the final scenes, uh, that when Kirk's uh, battling Kral, uh, you you've got um, they're they're floating about. Well, they, they're using they're using like airflows. They're not using um, the, the gravity so much. They're just using like airstreams to move about. There was all sorts of techno language thrown in, like gravitational yeah. slipstreams and all this stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But they can see with glass. They just like to have their people flying around. That's all it is. Yes, yeah. they just thought it was a I really good idea. That was cool. I think it provided a better and more unique setting than when in the previous films that have been, you know, had Earth in jeopardy. Yeah. You see it so many times in many other action films that aren't specifically sci-fi. So it's better to have something like this that, you know, is so unique and uh, yeah. 
you can actually make use of the fact that it's in space and it's a space station and people are living differently there than they are on Earth, which we are, we, you know, we see a lot in, in action movies. Yeah, it's also good to have a yeah. Star Trek film set, you know, in deep space somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that yeah. pretty nice. Oh, do you know what would have made it better? A space amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seriously, look Honestly. up that look up that episode. It is, <laughs> it is. okay. That would mean. <laughs> so yeah, um, we're kind of skipping ahead, but um, in terms of other characters that aren't Kirk, uh, Spock, he's having a similar existential crisis. He feels like his energy should be directed elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. What was that bit all about when he's like, "I'm going to procreate with my own race"? I was like, "Well." Well, he never Can actually do. confirmed that that's what he was going to do. He just said he was going to continue um, his older self's work. And if that's what his older self was doing, that's not an image I really want. Did you can't say to him something like, you just told her that you were wanting to make babies with, like, Vulcans instead of her. <laughs> and that's why she's, like, raising them. Well, that was McCoy's assumption. Spock just didn't really deny it, I guess. Well, remember... Um uh, there's not that many Vulcans left. So? That doesn't so. mean you should go and then be forced to make a baby with it. Well, yes and yes and no. When, you, when your species is um, in uh, trouble uh, and is on the verge of extinction, you, you need to procreate and make babies and make more of your species. That's no! It's also if you're not in love with them, you should make babies with who you're in love with, not because you think that you need to continue special genetic sequences. Uh, That's completely outrageous. Well, there's also, it also ties in with Vulcan custom, because they do the whole arranged marriage thing and all that, so... Um uh, that's not ever established in any of these films, but in the original series there was the, the infamous Amok Time episode where Spock had to um, fight his animalistic urges and get rid of his arranged wife so that he could stay on the Enterprise. I think it was an interesting position for him to take, and obviously it set up the whole Kirk and Spock both want to leave for their own reasons. Yeah. Um, he did take a bit of a backseat. I thought he, you know, he's featured quite heavily in the first two of this series, uh, you know, in action sequences and things. And then because he gets injured quite early on in this one, he is able to be kind of sidelined um, so that other characters can come to the fore. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was weird. I also feel like that was a deliberate... His injury was a deliberate way to relax his emotional control a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that he could be more open with people and, and say different things and, and laugh so and all those funny. things. Yeah. 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 You know, and McCoy reacts <laughs> to his laugh by claiming that he's delirious, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed him. They've they've definitely got the interplay between those two. Uh, bang on. Yeah. And Carl Urban was the star of the show for me in this film. I thought he was better he, than he's ever been. In, uh, it's, like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he had so much more to do as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I never it, thought I would just get behind McCoy piloting a little fighter ship. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still not I'm sure I'm behind very, it at all, but... It's just you never see McCoy do any of that stuff in the original series really. He's usually letting other people do that and he kind of sits around and berates people for, for whatever he wants to berate them for. But here he did a bit of both. Yeah. 
Including, uh, I'm a doctor, not a line. Not, uh, assuming he was yeah. about to swear, and then, yeah. Yeah, and he got beamed out. Not sure what he was going to say. Yeah, got a few ideas. Mm. But, yeah, he was he was brilliant, and the, the scene early on where he was just having a drink with Kirk was a really good display of their friendship. Yeah. I think that was important because the original series, they were very good friends. And had been and, for um, years. Absolutely. And yeah. he, uh, McCoy was always um, uh, Kirk's um, shoulder to, um, to, to, seek, to seek help with, to seek, uh, you know, basically just to, to sound off. And McCoy would usually just give him some sort of gruff uh, response and that would kick Kirk into action. Yeah, and yeah, I've no real, no real problems with how McCoy was portrayed. I've never had problems with how McCoy was portrayed in these films. Though I always think no. he was pretty bang on, and here he was especially. I don't really remember him being in the last one that much. Like I can, it was only after I thought about him that I, that he said that he was in the last one. But I can even remember him. Maybe it's just because kind of forget the last one. Yeah, and I think this film tries to forget the last one too, because there's no vat of cure of death cure for death in, in the middle of the ship anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Justin Lin actually said that the, uh, that Beyond ignores Into Darkness. As it should. In, entirely. As it should. Yeah. It kind of ignores the first one in a lot of ways as well. I mean, other than the kind of broad strokes. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could actually watch this film as an intro to the franchise. Because as long as you're willing to accept that everything is set up as it needs to be. And that uh, there's an alternate ambassador Spock. Yeah. Hmm. I think this this film has definitely got far more trick to it than um, than the first two combined. Definitely, yeah. it's far more Star Trek than uh, I I had it actually hoped it would be. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I would agree. Having a scenery movie, I'm going to agree. <laughs> All this agreeing, what's going on? So it's metal. Um. So yeah, uh, so McCoy was was great. Um, Scotty had a huge role, dis- which is an unsurprising considering <laughs> the guy plays. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it was a big role, but it wasn't. But it wasn't too big, if you know what I mean. He was, I think it was. He, he was there, and uh, he had a big role, but it wasn't just all hinging on him. It wasn't. It also wasn't that they were just giving Scotty more scenes for the sake of it. It was, you know, they they. Simon Pegg and Doug Jung wrote a script where a lot of things were broken, and he was in the pos- he was one of the few people in the position to actually fix them. Mm. So you know, it was Scotty was needed for that story. It wasn't that he was just there yeah. commenting on everything. He was doing what his what his job is. Yeah, he did his job. For I most felt of like he was there a lot, and he, um, he first on like um, he was annoying. I found him annoying at times, but I found him far less annoying than I had in the other two films. Well, that's still not really good, though, is it? <laughs> I think um, he's a bit more of a genius in this one. You know, he, he clearly knows what he's doing, and I like that. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it was more of the miracle worker that we we all know and love. Yeah, it was all about this. Can, can you do this impossible thing? No. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Okay then, yeah, give, me ten, give me ten minutes. I need it in five, right? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank him in a Scottish accent. 
passive no, I just, there are times when I'm like, oh, that's really good, and then other times I'm a bit cringy about it, and he uses some very, like, odd phrases, and I'm just like, oh, that's, it's just not quite right. There's like something that's not, that doesn't sit entirely right with me. But it's only going to be noticed by very maybe, few yeah, of the people who watch the film. Maybe just me. It's also... So 90, for 90% think, of... Yeah? I think it's jarring a little because Simon Pegg is kind of so well known in his own films and the Edgar Wright films and so on that he, um, mm. you know, he has this kind of persona and everybody knows him as this English guy. So when you're <clears> hearing him do the Scottish accent, it's a bit unnatural sounding. But it's not that though because... It's just maybe that he just, I don't know, maybe just takes it a little bit too far. And, I mean, that's fine, he's a writer, he can do what he wants, but I just felt like it was maybe one or two things, I don't know, just a wee bit. No, I, I guess can't. it's hard to pinpoint. There's something yeah, that just didn't sit with me fine. about it and do. And I do like Simon Pegg and... Yeah, it's just. Yeah. It might just be a very peculiar or particularly Scottish yeah. viewpoint of Yeah, I think it is. I think it's just because I'm Scottish. <laughs> I mean, his Scottish accent is a damn sight better than uh, most that you uh, faked ones uh, that you hear uh, in TV and on um, film. I mean, it's all, all respect to James doing. It's a lot better than uh, yeah. than um, the original Scotty, and it's a. Crap ton yeah. better than New Voyages, Scotty. You guys say last time that he's got a Glaswegian wife. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what he... She coaches him. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, some of it is a bit convincing. I guess it's just like... I guess it's just some of the phrases. If you just had... I don't know, replaced on something else. They seem to come from all over... I think it probably is just oh, a combination okay. of being familiar with him as a character from other things, <laughs> and then obviously our recognition of the accent. He's being generic. He's being generic Scottish enough, um, so that, that uh, that's probably what's tripping you up because you're used to um, you're probably used to people having very specific colloquialisms, very specific accents for a very specific region. He's doing a little. But, bit I mean, I know general. generic Scottish stuff as well, but I think that um, the calling somebody Lass and Lassie so many times in such a short period of time maybe it's just it was too much so it was, so maybe it's not as much Peg the actor but Peg the writer in that bit just a bit too dense for some of the the things that you see and I felt oh, I don't know let's well, move on to that. I'll, I'll give you that I get what you mean there I, I'll give you that yeah that's I didn't. I didn't actually spot that, but now that you mention it, yeah, on reflection, maybe did say that we a few more needed to. I thought he was. Um, I thought he was written well enough, though. I mean, I, I thought he was good at the. He was good as a comedic factor, and he was good as this kind of uh, miracle worker, engineer, uh, mechanic guy. Uh, so you know, he did everything he needed to. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy seeing him stressed out in those situations and uh, and how he overcomes them. Working his magic. Working yeah. his magic. The little help of the, that wee guy that kicks about as well. <laughs> my my favourite bit, however, Spock swearing. Yeah, that was funny. That I think that's <laughs> got to be my. I think. 
right now, if, um, as I'm thinking about it, that's my favourite line of uh, of the movie. I'm not sure what my favourite line would be. Um, uh, there was there was quite a lot of good lines in there. It was it was it was lot it was it was lots of seriousness, lots of peril, jeopardy, and but stuff like that. But all, but also some nice funny little moments as well. It just just that is so Star Trek. Yeah, and um, I think probably Sulu and Ahura were the more the most undersold of the characters. They had a little bit less to do. Uh, <clears throat> Ahura spent a lot of time with the villain, but um, that was all she really did. I don't know, I thought she had a fair bit when she had to um, chase up to the the bad guy. Um, but, you know, there's only so much screen time for all of them, and I thought that they did well in focusing on um, the other characters. Yeah, I thought they were fine. And someone, you know, some of the main characters have to be the ones that are captured and have to sort of yeah. spend a lot of time in cages and things, so... They drew the short straws on that one. Yeah, and that's, well, she 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 got more screen time in the last film. Yeah, and yes. I think that's one thing this film did really well. It paired up people in different ways. So, like Kirk and Chekhov, you wouldn't normally see Spock and McCoy. That's a pretty common one, but um, Uhura and Sulu really you don't see much of that. But it's interesting to see oh. them um, to see those kind of I guess fish out of water pairings. You know, these people that don't spend all that much time together get stuck together. That's a good observation. So, yeah, I hadn't, I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't actually noticed that. Yeah, and it seemed like they were doing a bit of a Chekhov is trying to learn as much as he can from Kirk while he's in his presence. Uh, you know, which is a shame so that he wouldn't see the guy again. He was doing the, you know, the how did you know this this uh, this alien was not on the level? And he was like, I just knew. And, and then um, and Chekhov was like, but how? <laughs> I feel, you know, there's such a sadness with this movie, I think. Because before, I didn't really know that character, and I didn't really know him as an actor. And then you see this movie, and you really see him come into that character so much. And then you just think, oh, I would have, like, you just have such high hopes for where that character could have gone. Yeah. And then there's it's been dashed. Really so sad. It's true, but at least he gave a good account of himself in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. It was really good to see so much more than um, than in the others. You know, it wasn't a background character that I feel he was in the first couple. He definitely came into it. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's a good thing, but it definitely but, makes it... And the fact that they wrapped filming before his death meant that they didn't try and shoehorn any kind of tribute in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was just a character in the film in the same way that yeah. the, the Joker was a, still a character yeah. in Dark Knight. Um, yep. because they'd finished with it by the time they, they brought out the film so there was some mm-hmm. sincerity to the fact that his character was in it a lot yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually turned out to be a, a pretty good farewell movie for him yeah just by happenstance really exactly yeah, and I think that's what makes it sad because you think he what would have been or what could have been you know well I think Anton Yelchin was heading on to really big things anyway yeah Everything I've seen him in, in the terrible. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was gonna. He was. He was gonna make it big. Yeah, even like even in things like Terminator Salvation, which I thought was dreadful, he was really good. And you know, he's a much better. Uh, he's a much better um, Kyle Reese than Jai Courtney will ever be. <laughs> but you know, a, a plank of wood would make a better Kyle Reese than Jai Courtney. I think. Make better Jai Courtney than Jai Courtney is. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So I think we've um, 
we've talked about most of the characters. Uh, Can we talk about the bad guy? Yes, that's that's, that's the, the next. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose we didn't really talk about Jayla that much, but she's interesting. She's resourceful. She has a bit of a tragic backstory that they don't beat you over the head with. Yeah, yeah. and she's got cool face paint, which I think is actually her skin. <laughs> so I was thinking, um, I have liquid eyeliner in to do that. The face paint reminded <laughs> me of the Romulans in the first one. I don't even know that it's anymore, Craig. Kind of tribal tattoos. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. they had, like, no, they were more, like, like dotted, like, dotted. Oh, uh, yeah, I get, get what you mean now, yeah. Yeah, tribes are people. Yeah, she was a good character, and hopefully she'll be back. Like, there was a Star Trek book of all the different tribes they've come across. Like, the well, there was the Star Trek Encyclopedia back in the day, but now there's Memory Alpha, uh, the wiki online that has everything that you could possibly want to but know. But is there one that just focuses on all the tribes? Because I'd look at that. Uh, probably. Cool. If not, you should make it. I'm sure Memory Alpha has a, um, a subcategory of uh, races. Most likely. Yeah, so the villain. Um, yeah, Kral, Idris Elba, in, not that you'd in, be able to tell. Interesting, wow. very interesting. I think interesting but underdone. How did he get his name? Because it makes me think of Krill, and then it makes me think of like little things in the sea. No idea. <laughs> that's that's. It's just I think it's just an arbitrary name that they picked for him. Well, the thing, I mean, the thing is, the whole um, the whole fact that he was human um, it doesn't come into play until so late in the film that it's almost meaningless by that point mm-hmm. yep so yeah, all the way through it he just seems to be another boring revenge driven Star Trek villain for the <laughs> fifth film in a row and for the most part I think that's all he is He's you know he doesn't like the Federation and wants revenge on something they did to him but you don't mm. find out what that is until yeah it's too late, you know. I felt like he was like two characters. I felt like um, that one side of the the character would have been enough for the movie. I felt like they tried to they had two different ideas for a bad guy, and they've kind of Combined. jammed him into one one person. And was his um was his armor or his suit some sort of robotic exoskeleton or something? Because it kind of clicked and whirred, and yeah. I. I to begin with, I thought that was going to have something to do with it, that he was, well, you know, he was old. It turned out that he was really old and frail and kind of needed to drain people for power. Yeah. But I thought he might be, I thought he might be some sort of, like, yeah, like he needed the exoskeleton or something to, to survive, and that was going to be part of his character. I thought he was sucking stools because he was like that guy from the mummy. <laughs> I like the sucking stools bit. <laughs> I thought that was quite good. It's always good to see you are, not good to see, but you know, whenever there's uh, whenever there's some extraneous crew members that can just be kind of drained. It's so scary. You see it in Marcus Focus as well. It's pretty it's creepy. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there was a lot. I think they had a lot of potential once they revealed what that potential was, but again, it was too late for me. And I actually think. I, that, I was like, why did they bother? Yeah, I why did they think bother? that swarm on its own could have been mysterious enough. And could have been mm. interesting as a antagonistic force that they have to escape somehow. Yeah, but then do you think that we'd be talking about how they didn't have a killing yeah. to focus on? I was thinking about that and I thought how, you know, you always have to have this villain and I think that's probably just a symptom of 
of action movies these days is you have to have this kind of villain to focus on to defeat. Yeah, I would tell you, I'd be talking about how I'm glad that this story didn't need a villain and they didn't include one. I think that's, that would be my reaction. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, um, I don't know why they had to include the whole, oh, I was a soldier and this is what happened to my crew and we all went crazy and then bad stuff happened and now I hate everyone. I just felt like I didn't get to see it in IMAX, but I can imagine it would have been absolutely epic. <laughs> it was just really beautiful. Oh, I think I really liked the end credits, actually. They should have just <laughs> done that for an hour. I would have been happy. Flowing <laughs> through space. Was yeah. there an end, end credits scene, by the way? No, no, there's not. Because we, 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 we waited until we saw the um, uh, In Memory of Leonard Nimoy and For Anton at the end, and then we thought, okay, that, that's it, let's go. Yeah, but then someone else is talking about an end credits uh, scene pays homage, and I'm like, that doesn't. that's not a scene, that's just a title card. Yeah, um... Um, no, there wasn't. I read up on it before. There definitely wasn't. I remember Simon Pegg said this should be reserved for superhero films. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. But I thought the as soon as the Rihanna song started, I left. Oh yeah, I no, I had to, I had to go. No, that was it. <laughs> I was taking my time, but then that kicked in. I'm like, right, I'm out of here. Bye. What was the Rihanna song? There's a Rihanna song associated with this film. I can't remember what it's called. It, 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 Sledgehammer, I think. Sledgehammer. There you go. That's its name. It's on the third. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yes. Go, Craig? <laughs> what was that? I'm not going to sing. We're all. Oh, come on. <laughs> we're trying to boost our listener base. We're not trying. Well, to be honest, you, you you can't sing. You wouldn't be able to sing it any worse. Yeah, well, I'm not going to try. Oh, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to grab my cat and swing it about a bit, and it'll sound much <laughs> so, sound much better than the actual song. I just want people to know that we do not advocate the harm to animals. Yes. I, I could never touch. My, uh, I could never harm my cats in any way like that. That's 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 no. That, that was a joke, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> Put the phone down. Don't need to call SSPCA. Um, I was going to say stay out of the comment section, but I want people in the comment section. So please stay in the comment section. Mm. Um, if anyone is listening to this, yeah. please no, maybe not. Yeah. But anyway, uh, um, I think what you were saying about Kral is they they were doing the whole. Um, he was once a soldier. Uh, still wanted to be a soldier, never quite um, blended into the new way of doing things, and uh, and felt well, abandoned in the, as well. In that backstory, I did like how they how they pay that they respected what uh, what we uh, what is established in Enterprise, the Makos. Yes, I, they they respected that, and they uh, and that was pretty good. I like that. That's using canon. I'm like, ah, they've done their homework on this one. They're not just arbitrarily making stuff up to make a backstory, they're actually using what we've seen on screen on the TV. Yeah. Why was he abandoned? Why did they never go after him? Um, probably because they couldn't receive a signal out of the nebula, I would imagine. Or there was... There was no yeah. one, Dad, there was I feel so bad. There nebula. There was it, no it, one yeah. out, there was no one out far enough to receive it at that point. Well, it, 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 it's, established, it's established that the nebula um, that the nebula disrupts communications, and you see uh, as they're going into the nebula, you see um, certain consoles on the bridge start going on the fritz, yeah. uh, suggesting, uh, and they also actually say it in dialogue. So my my imagine I would imagine uh, the Franklin went into this thing, didn't 
have the sophisticated sensors to realize that the that their communications would be um, disrupted, so no one heard their distress call, and he now feels that he thinks everybody ignored him. And they also got, they also got stuck so far out uh, that they were probably out of communication range of anything anyway, because Starbase Yorktown's a new place. It's you know just opened, so to speak. But at the end, at the end, do you think he was? Do you think he turned good just there at the end there when he grabs the weapon? I think he was starting to question. He doesn't grab it; he gets kicked back onto it by Kirk. Kirk like, kicked him and he yeah, floats onto it. And that, like, oh, shit. Where he saw his reflection, and there was that kind of moment of doubt. But um, his humanity back again. Yeah, but then he decided he was too far gone and went for it anyway. And I mm. think yeah. it's a nice little subtle moment. They told you so much about him. He was like, you know, his was well, okay. Well, I can't exactly backpedal now. It's been too, been too much, you know. Mm. Yeah. Her guy, just give him a hug. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of potential there. They could have, I think, if they developed this idea much earlier, and he's supposed to be kind of a a dark mirror of Kirk in a lot of ways, because without much cajoling that could happen, maybe happen to Kirk one day, and until he realizes that he could never be like that. Well, I think it's because, like you know, they prove him wrong. He says to Jayla, you know, they've left you. They're not going to come back for you. And uh, she begins to think, well, maybe they're not, but they do, and it's okay. And, and then you know that they're not the same people, mm. you know, that Kirk well, is the better person, would never leave someone behind. Well, the, the, more, the most interesting thing about their, feist, their final fist fight was the, um, was the fact that he was, they were having a bit of a standoff over what they stood for rather than, you know, they were obviously punching each other, but the fact that Kirk was thinking that um, that what's wrong with this guy? He helped us achieve peace, you know, and, um, and he's been so kind of perverted by his own his own thinking that uh, he can't understand that things have to move on and you can't fight forever. That could yeah. be interesting, and it and it wasn't necessarily as strong as it could have been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, as yeah, I mean, overall, it overall, it's better than worked. But I do think that the villain was a bit. I wonder. I think it was a better villain than the last two. Yeah, yeah, a lot better. I would have, I would have just liked if the swarm had been somewhat sentient and. Uh, the swarm was very, very. Uh, uh, actually, could you imagine being on a ship in a, you know, light years from from help? You know that you're not going to be able to call for help, and then this swarm comes towards yeah. you. That's actually—it's actually quite. A, it was actually a, quite a threatening um, foe, I thought. Yeah. I yeah, I thought the attack was really good. I thought oh that scene was, was brilliant. Yeah. I thought that was it. I also thought that everyone was dead. <laughs> for Twenty minutes in. Yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. they've done it. They've gone. They've gone rogue. They hit rock bottom, and, 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 they, and you know, when the ship gets absolutely torn to shreds. It's I definitely. Also, yeah. I also couldn't help but wonder what happened to Kral in the prime timeline. <laughs> Is he still looking for this death machine at the, the end of the 24th century? Oh, you in prime time. <laughs> so, Can we also mention that stupid girl that somehow everyone trusts her bullshit story? Because I was like, why would you be that dumb? Yeah, why would you... To this why would you that's not... just come in a little pod that looks like a parasite. Yeah, well, why would you not check first, you know? Yeah, they kind of just 
go oh, bounding off to in. save her crew and uh, don't think about the, going through the dangerous nebula with no communication. Yeah. And then, and then she has that cover-up story for that, which is, oh, they've got my crew, I had to do it. And I'm like, well, if you had a crew, you wouldn't then sacrifice somebody else's crew, because he's the better person, would you not? Yeah, I thought that find was... a different way of, uh, of getting there without, you know, yeah, it was enslaving a... others. It, was a little... it really was just a device for getting like things going, I think, just well, getting them yeah, through there and getting the story going. She was a bit terrible. There, there must have been another way. But there's also, you know, you had Kirk uh, lamenting how naive he was to have taken her initial story at face value. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah. once the Enterprise got dominated, he, um, he started to see through her ruse a little bit. I don't know, yeah. it took a while for him to see that. Yeah, well, he says that himself. <laughs> Not soon enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, he does He does quite, kind of, when, when the swarm is first seen and everything, he is asking her, and pointedly looking at her looking for answers and she, he gets none so that's obviously ringing alarm bells as well as um, yeah. as, as well as the swarm tearing the ship apart yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was very much a function of the plot having this whole um, cry for help that turns out to be a trap mm-hmm. yeah. so what kind of race is she because I really didn't like her head it was really weird never trust a woman whose head looks it's like weird. a cauliflower <laughs> she's definitely not a race that we've we've encountered before so what about the well, her head just looked like it was made of, like, yeah, cauliflower jelly. <laughs> what about the ends? And I do like that her hair wasn't actually hair, it was, like... Jelly flower. Jelly flower. <laughs> what about the ensign whose uh, head was a face hugger from Alien? <laughs> she was head Sil. Head as well. Sil, yeah, Sil. Um, she had the MacGuffin in her brain. <gasps> that was cool. In her I liked that. Her brain. I just couldn't help but think that's why she got a face hugger on her head. Was strange. Just think, when she's at clubbing, she put her phone, her keys, and her bank card in her hair instead of her bra. <laughs> like, that's, that's not that I do that, but there are definitely people that I know who do that, and it's weird. It's but, you know, this is like next level. Sometimes it's good to have evolved a little compartment where uh, <laughs> you can store things. But you know? Uh, it completely your matrix re- of leadership. It completely put some snacks in there for when you get hungry, but you don't want to take a bag. <laughs> It completely redefines uh, nature's pocket, doesn't it? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it, I thought she was cool. Sure I liked that. Pick your pocket. <laughs> yeah, um, that's sort of a function of the plot, and then it's kind of the the, the most of the stories about the survival, which I liked because uh, it was quite. Even Zulu starts getting his life force sucked out of him. Yeah. I was like, they're going to kill him too. What? <laughs> but they didn't. It's okay. You know, I set up the kind of stranded on an alien world scenario, which is cool. Yeah. Kudos to one of the more unique ways to kill a starship, though. Yeah. Um, we've never seen we've never seen that in Star Trek before. It's always been it's always a warp core breach or uh, something or another. You know, it's yeah. it's it's never actually the ship getting slowly ripped apart bit by bit. Well, the yeah. Saucer crash was slightly reminiscent of uh, Generations. Yes, I thought that as well, uh, but uh, but different in its own way at the same time. Yeah, and it sort of reminded me of the alternate, uh, the the reset button timeline destruction of Enterprise and Enterprise, uh, where the Zindi were slowly picking apart um, at the ship as well. Yes, definitely. That was actually I, I liked that about Enterprise, where the the next episode she still bore the scars of the last battle. What's more, the um, what's it called? The episode's called Twilight, and. Uh, 
at the end, the Enterprise gets blown up because they're resetting the timeline anyway. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I like it whenever they have to detach the soldier. Every time they have to make that call, I'm there. When have like you it. done that before? Oh, they've done it before. Really? Generations. 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 Yeah, that was like, oh my gosh, for me, that was like a first, and I was like, oh my god, what the hell's going on? And he, like, who can still breathe? How are they going to... And then they, like, all go off into this little pod into space, and you're like, you're going off into a pod into space, but no one can get to you, no one can save you. Do they go into, like, a sleep or something? Do they go into, like, a, a state where they don't... No, the pods, you know, are, the pods are steerable. The, the, the pods, uh, traditionally, anyway, in Star Trek, the uh, escape pods um, have... Con- have um, Guidance thrusters and stuff like that, so you can you can point the throd the, the pod into the direction of uh, where you know you you could get help and. Um, what uh, they're in they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in like a nebula. They, yeah, like, but they know the way home. They know the way home. They can't go anywhere. They would also have transmitters in them as well. Yes. Did uh, did Scotty escape in a torpedo? He did. Yes, he did. Uh, like the people in torpedoes in the last film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so many torpedoes with space for people to store away in them. <laughs> that, that's, that's actually can they they buried Spock in a um, in uh, a torpedo. Yeah. Um, and in Next Generation, uh, at least one person is conveyed upon the Enterprise via torpedo. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just to do with like nuclear weapons. What's the function of the space that's big enough for a humanoid in a torpedo? I'm Normally, it's I'm a fuel. Just a bit fuel. I, I presume he just didn't add the warhead. Because they, you know, they yeah. can change yields on the fly, so I presume he just told the computer to not add anything, so he could it just conveniently well, sort of you've, coffin you've got, shaped. And the, the way the way torpedoes, this is where my technology wor- uh, uh, works. Uh, the way torpedoes work is that they're stored as an empty casing with just the engine um, um, at the back of it. You right. order, you, you tell the, the computer, uh, the, the person who's on the bridge is saying, right, I need a torpedo fired here. The computer t- grabs a torpedo, brings it up a, a conveyor belt. The antimatter and matter is added to it because that's what makes the the, the po- torpedo go bang because it introduces matter and antimatter together, and then it gets shot out. So basically, you can grab a torpedo without the antimatter warhead in it, get in it, put a mask on it, and it'll be like a pinata torpedo. Oh my god! <laughs> a pinata torpedo. That's an idea. Oh, there's so many brands. Oh, yes. the sort of. Um, Makes a cool light effect. Rainbow. And off it goes. Yeah. Planet surface. Um, so, but yeah, pods just hanging about in space. No one to rescue them. Well, they all got abducted anyway. Well, yeah. So it's like, so they keep on doing this in these movies. They keep just telling a whole lot of crew members and then not really dwelling on it or saying anything about it. So at the end, everyone's like having a wee party and you're like, oh, there's folk there. I've just seen like a hundred people <laughs> be absolutely Yeah, he does yeah. say jabs and friends. They do lament on the people that they've lost. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not on their faces. It's not on their faces at all. He's got a little alien guy in a blue t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. But I'm just a bit like they keep doing that though and it's like a bit I don't know, a bit unnecessary to just be wiping out entire crews. Well, the entire crew didn't get wiped out. Well, some some did get killed in the initial attack, but everybody, um, everybody, oh my God, it was, it was like everybody, all of the, 
Like Everybody who shot off in a in a pod was captured. That's the that's the whole thing. You hear them saying, "Oh my God, they're taking the crew." Yeah. And oh, but you know, like when the ship's like breaking apart, and then you see, you do see some bad guys getting like yeah. taken out into space, but you see a lot of um, random crew members getting stuck outside. Come into Christ anytime the day after the end the ship. Yeah. On the ship. I just like when they all go for for their wee weapons. I like I like when they do that. Yeah, it was, I was like, those guys like rolling in those special rockets. Oh, those like things that pierced and then like tore open the walls, like creating a little pathway. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Oh, well, they looked a bit kind of Halo Spartan, or Master Chief was good. But there was a, yeah, it was a great, um, it was a great sequence and it, and it lingers yeah. for long enough. So yeah, it was really scary. It feels like they're killing off a character, which is exactly how Destruction of the Enterprise should feel. Yes. Definitely. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously you've got Kirk in the thick of the action because he feels so helpless on the bridge and needs to be out there um, fighting. And that's fighting exactly what Kirk... <laughs> that's exactly what Kirk is. Yeah. And it was Ahura that was kind of uh, a big part of that, that though. She um, she was the one that separated the, the, the broken neck from the, the saucer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kirk gets his moment on the bridge like his father had, watching his ship go down. And the reference to Kelvin pods, as in these escape pods on the bridge. Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah. I thought that was... I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't imagining it then. But I, I did hear Kelvin pods. Yeah. So, it's, so, that, the, it's like so that bridge crew could get away in the, in the last second. Yeah. I like that idea. That, see, that, that makes so much sense. I mean, you, they've learned from the destruction of the Kelvin that you need pods on the bridge so that bridge crew can pilot to, to the last moment and then get out. Yeah. So they don't need to sacrifice themselves. So yeah, I love that that went sense. beyond me. And of course, um, and of course, well, now you know, and knowing it's half the battle. <laughs> and of course, but Kirk I don't really care though. <laughs> and had to be like, it's really nice that that all comes together, and it's quite cute, but. That's just for you geeks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kirk had to be there till the last second so that he wouldn't get abducted as well. So, yeah. Yeah, plot point. Yeah. Imagine if it was, I don't know, um, some random ensign that was last off. Ensign and, Ricky. Yeah, and was, was stuck with, uh, okay, the captain's been captured, everyone else has been captured, what do I do? Yeah, nothing will happen. <laughs> Maybe that's the next one. Maybe. There'll be a whole film about him dondering about a forest. <laughs> and probably pro- probably getting his butt kicked by the other aliens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as a first action sequence, um, not counting the, the the slight action in the opening one, I thought the, the destruction of the Enterprise was, was great. I still think the ship's hideous, and I'm kind of glad to see it gone, but it was appropriately... Waiting, it was really intense. I was like, it really captivated me. I'm not really, and I mean, I'm not super into it like you guys are, but I um, really enjoyed it. I thought, that, yeah, it's like, what the sh- What are they doing? That's a mark of a good, of a good action sequence where you're, 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 on, you're on the edge of your seat wondering what's, what's happening next. Actually, yeah, like the guy sat beside me was like almost off his chair. It's just like <laughs> mouth open, like oh my god. He's talking about me, you're the other guy. Not you. Some other guy. Me. Guy <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I was sort of like 
via the uh, the Franklin. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that might make I just sense. assumed that the planet they were on had aliens that had also developed motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a running yeah. theory as well between me and my friends. Yeah. Um, um, I just think his diversion went on a bit too long, and the all the motorbike track were all a bit too convenient. <laughs> um, and also that her um, light refracting device, which would you know create alternate versions of Taylor, was pretty handy to be able to sort of create like twenty different curves on motorbikes. Yeah. Um, that was that was okay. That sequence. I think the worst part is when he first goes off on the bike. Um, the graphics looked a bit odd for me. It didn't look like he was on this path. Oh, it was a bit like, I think it shook me out of um, to like, believing or something that worried me. And uh, it was okay. I like that he used his jailer's like, weapons to create like the big walls and stuff. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. It's quite it, cool. It felt, it's quite... Like it, it felt like it was a little bit too easy for me. I just think, you know, it was... The, the yeah, but they were trying to wrap it up, you know, get to the end and then get to the final battle scene with the real, you know, villain up in the the planet. Yeah, but the, um, I mean, the sequence after that, and does anyone have anything else to say about the, the motorbike rescue? I don't really want to talk about it because it wasn't that great. <laughs> it wasn't, like, super awful, but I totally have, I'm a bit bland towards it, you know? It had, um, it had an element of something was cut here because... Clearly, they gave that Krull's second in command something of a, a showing. You know, he was supposed to be this kind of. Yeah, he got name checked a couple of times. Yeah. You were thinking there's going to be like a big. He's going to get a big ending, a big battle. Yeah, I was wondering if he was one of the surviving Franklin crew as well. Franklin, that's what it's called. Yeah. Franklin. The, that motorbike sequence just had the kind of feel where, you know, like a. A water world or a, a Mad Max or something. It's like there's a set piece like that that exists so that at theme parks they yeah. can do a live performance of it with <laughs> with stuntmen and things, you know, like in an arena or something. It just feels like someday that's going to be in the Star Trek theme park. People will be queuing up to see the the motorbike rescue scene played out in front of them. When I watched the initial trailer, I remember seeing that Kirk was on a what looked like a dirt bike based on that trailer. I was like, oh no. <laughs> again, uh, and I really, I actually don't like this sort of. He's partially beamed out, and he grabs Jayla, and she gets beamed out as well. Because, again, that's nitpicky how transporters work, sort of stuff. Ah, uh, wait. He was already mostly yeah, dematerialized by the time he touched. Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose um, in the voyage home it's slightly different. Yeah, she, well, she, she jumps. She jumps in just as he's starting to beam out. So yeah. But isn't he? Aren't they using the old technology? Yeah, they're using some so, raggedy-ass transport. So you don't know yeah, if so they've old stuff. shouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> but, you know, story. Yeah. Plot point. You see it loads of times. Like, there's loads of movies where people are trying to get through, like, um, in the Avengers. Did you? Uh, they do. Little, not transporter beams, but black holes and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, a black hole's fine because that's just open. But the the whole transporter thing, you know, he was Kirk was mostly dematerialized by the time that he touched Jayla, and she somehow came with him. 
I don't care. I thought it was cool. You'd argue that they'd already be beating people up twenty at a time. It served its it served its purpose. It was uh, it was it kept you on the edge of the seat. Is she gonna make it? Yeah. Although, of course course she's gonna make it. Well, yeah. Of course she's gonna make it. It did what it did. Why did they get rid of her? Yeah. So um, yeah. But then it leads into an excellent sequence uh, for me anyway with the the Franklin. Breaking the the swarm with music, with Beastie Boys music. Yeah, that would that, yeah. That, that, that that would make that would make me get a go all screw as well. I hate the Beastie Boys. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> that is it. You're right. That's funny. I thought I thought that sequence was great. I thought it was ridiculous, but it was great. <laughs> it yeah, oh yeah. Somehow it, it was a good. Yeah. It was a good sequence. It was brilliant. I, I, I enjoy. I enjoyed the use of the music and everything like that. I just don't enjoy the music myself. Yeah. But I enjoyed the, the the whole the whole moment. That was brilliant. I thought him, again, never never been done in Star Trek. Yeah. It showed the creativity of the um, of the crew as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, it has been done in Star Trek before. When uh, an insurrection, Picard and Worf subdue Data by singing to him. <laughs> Well, well, they don't subdue him as such. They 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 uh, make him remember because he was remember he was um, well, he was rehearsing him with a sing song. Yeah. Exactly, they distract him because he was he was off camera. He was um, rehearsing for HMS Pinafore, so that they they make him remember that. And distract him. He's in costume as well, isn't he? Was it the first Star Trek where they're playing Beastie Boys in the car? Yeah, was yeah. Like, that, yeah. Was that the first subject? Yeah. So why does so why does um, Kirk look so surprised? He, does, he, he says, says he looks like a bit glad. He looks like actually, actually he smiles. Doesn't he? Gives a right yeah, smile. Choice or something. He because oh. I thought they were yeah. going to play more Kirk Henry, but then of course they have to go back to his yeah. sabotage. Oh, the last time I played this, I drove a car off a cliff. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> And now I'm going to admit, drive this ship, or I've already driven this ship off a cliff, so, you know. It inspired us to, on the drive home from watching the film, blast our Beastie Boys CD in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen to it. Imagining that we were just burning up all the other traffic out there. And I, I really like yeah. to, um, I love how your <laughs> got, give, you know, got sent an MP3 and uh, they, they broadcast it as well and that caused the biggest explosion. And it was was timed with the music. It was brilliant. When the Beastie Boys wrote that song that they could ever have imagined that this would that this would be save an entire space station. station. I thought it was um, yeah, it was it was really creative and it was it was much better than them just flying the ship in at the last second with uh, weapons firing and somehow solving the problem. It was everybody exactly everybody got a moment to think about it and and they, they came up with a solution that was insane, but quite powerful when you think about it that they're using music and not weapons yeah. to and kill each things. other's sentences. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Um, and you had a hurrah explaining the techno babble as well. Yeah, yeah. Spock was saying yeah. blah blah blah. What if cyberpathic and and Kirk's like what? And she says if <laughs> if we disrupt the signal, we can kick its ass. And it's like okay, I understand that. That's straight out of the Fast and the Furious. Any time that someone's talking about, you know, a complicated plan, Roman just comes in 
asks for an explanation, and then Ludacris will just give it to you straight. Craig, I'm going to edit over yourself saying more ass. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's very Star Trek as well. You've got all these kind of complicated things explained with a simple analogy. Yep. You know, if we ignite, you don't even need any If we ignite this within the nebula, blah, 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 and then someone will chime in with like throwing a match into a pool of gasoline so that you, the audience know what's about to happen. I think it was like a triumphant sequence in that the, the sort of announced the fist fight at the end or the sort of fruit chase that is required by the film yeah. or by action films. Mm. The climactic fist fight fruit chase was almost a <laughs> bit of a letdown after that because, yeah. you know, it was so cool seeing yeah, them kind of surfing this way, burning it ships. It reminded me of Into Darkness in that way. Um, yeah, that's why. You know, you had the whole uh, uh, running through the Enterprise while it's going topsy-turvy and then they save the ship and then suddenly there's there's still more of the film left and you know yeah. I think if you'd cut Kral well, as a villain and went just went with the swarm the film could essentially wrap up at that point the stuff where they were where they were flying into Yorktown was quite cool and they you know all the different levels you could see the Enterprise yeah. not the Enterprise the Franklin you know yeah. underneath the water and there was lots mm-hmm. of different stuff going on there it was good but then and I just I think it kind of I liked it coming out of the water and uh, and uh, Kral and his two bodies uh, uh, crashing into it. Into it yeah. um, that, that's that's just brilliant. That was just a yeah. really really good scene. I I enjoyed that. Yeah, and it showed Kirk as a strategist as well because he came up with that idea on the fly in the mm-hmm. moment, which is again is a Kirk trait. Yeah, he he, he always snatches um, uh, victory uh, from the jaws of defeat. To use yeah. a a very overused pun. Yeah, I thought the um, yeah the Beastie Boys sequence was great, and I don't think it went on too long either. It was kind of it did. No, I liked it, and then that was it. I was smiling to myself at how crazy it was, but I was. Oh, I to admit that I liked. And even a uh, catching Chekhov tapping his foot a bit, you know, to uh... yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, we've we've touched on how how good the film looks and. Um, it does look very good, and I think the absence of lens flares is amazing. Yep. Yes, definitely. I mean, I could see what was going on. I didn't feel like anything was trying to blind me, so that was that was good. Yes. Although, although in my cinema, anyway, it did seem a little dark at times. Hmm. Though maybe it might have just been the projectionist in my cinema. It just seemed a little dark. Hmm. There was a couple of lens flares, but there wasn't too many. I don't remember any of those J trademark sort of snap zooms that he does all the time as yeah. well. I, th- I think you didn't you didn't notice the lens flares as much because they were more natural. They weren't yeah. forced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They weren't just throwing light into every scene just for the hell of it. Like that, J.J. Abrams. Although J.J. Abrams, in his in his defence, he did acknowledge, yeah, I overdid it. And then he went to, and then he overdid it again in Into Darkness. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... The look of the film, uh, the action's quite clean. You can't, you know, there's, you can always make out what's going on, pretty much. I would say. Yep. Uh, I think mostly, but there was a couple of sloppy kicks from Jayla at the start. Sloppy. I thought she because she was really good, and I was a bit uh, thrown out by some of the, say, <laughs> <I> say action. <laughs> um, it did get better. Yeah. 
So that was alright. I like those goons that they had to fight, and I think it was funny that like I imagined the planet to be a bit like the one from Predators. Sorry, I have to mention that film, but where there's just all these kind of people have been stranded on a planet, yeah. and you might encounter them at any moment. Well, I, I never, I couldn't quite understand whether the um, the the drone pilots were automated as well, or whether they were actually people. They're yeah. people. Have you not seen like? No, they were humanoid, but there were there was no indication that they were living. He, won- he did talk. Oh, uh, Kral, Kral, did talk about. He knew uh, that there are people. No, Kral did talk about some uh, uh, a robot army uh, or robot um, uh, workforce. Yeah. So it, it could be that may- maybe only one or two of them were actual uh, living beings, and the rest of them are just um, just robots. Yeah. Or, or androids or. Whatever you want to call them. It's okay to blow them up by playing loud music. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm good with guys. that. I'm good with that. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was... Yeah, it was fine. I had no problem with the look of the film. Um, the, the sort of overall design aesthetic, obviously it inherited quite a lot from the previous two films with the, the Enterprise looking yep. the way it does. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Yorktown looked great, as we've already discussed. Called Yorktown, that was so misleading for the most of the movie. Well, yeah, okay, so Craig, we just, you clarified that for me after the movie, but I I didn't hear that, and so as somebody who doesn't have the previous knowledge of watching every other like episode and movie of Star Trek, I thought at first he was saying your town. <laughs> it's your town. Your town. Down here. Been here. It's your thing. Anyway, I just kept on thinking that, and then I was like, "Whoa!" Like, what's his face has to like save his family because that's his town. But then I was like, "No, it's not," because it's like a Hula's town as well. And wait, that's not what they're saying. And it took me a long time, so sorry, but I thought that that was strange. But now I understand. But I still think it's strange. Yeah, well, Yorktown. Yorktown is a is a very historical name. Um, outside of Star Trek as well. It's a bit like, why why make it that difficult for the new people? <laughs> How many people might not think it's, it's, about it's, it's, it? It's, it's not really. You've got Yorktown the place in um, in America. You've got Yorktown the, the, the ship that was uh, the Enterprise's sister in World War Two. It's a very historical name. Uh, I, I, I would imagine none of the, no... U.S. entrance into the Star Trek world would have had much problem understanding that it was Yorktown. It is more of an, an American name than it is uh, English. It, it was also the name of the ship in the original pitch for Star Trek. Yes. Um, so I mean, that's what kicked me. I didn't hear about the whole other stuff. I still think it's such an outsider, like, oh... I don't know, make it easier for the, the new people. Dumb it down, you're saying dumb, dumb it down. Dumb it down, no. No, but if you're going make to see... Less cerebral. <laughs> York town. Can we flash to some sort of York town population six? <laughs> <laughs> so then I can be like, ah, York town, not your town. It was maybe written on oh, the screen, actually. Well, struggled with the accents or something. Right. Scotty had said it, you'd have understood. Scotty had said it. York town. Oh, hi, York thing. Oh, hi, York thing. Totally really bad. <laughs> but yeah, it looked great. It was it was a beautiful looking piece of engineering. Um, what about the Franklin? Yeah. What do we think of the Franklin? 
I oh, I liked it. It was cute. Yep. Having now read up, um, there, there's an article uh, on uh, Trek Core, I think it is, yeah. uh, where they actually um, the <laughs> they they, um, they explain uh, where the Orktown fits into uh, the Star Trek universe, and they've made it gel perfectly. Uh, it makes perfect sense. It still kind of irritates me because it looks, it seems like it should be post Enterprise. Uh, no, it's actually it's actually it's. It's sort of like a bit. Well, obviously, we know it's before Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and it's basically the very beginnings of uh, Starfleet stroke, stroke uh, Earth going for the saucer. Yeah, it seems a little too big, though, to be. It's, it an looks early quite answer. small. Looks actually quite small. It is small, but I feel like it's quite big. Well, some some of the earlier some of the earlier ships were also big as well. Though some of them are actually bigger than Enterprise. What are you guys talking about? Because I zoned out a bit. The Franklin. The Franklin. Um, and Enterprise, the TV show, is supposed to predate that one. Yes, by uh-huh. a number of years. That's why they say it's the first ship to hit warp four when Enterprise was a warp five ship. I remember you being like, "I'd be more believable if it was warp six. Yeah, if the TV I don't know what any of that means. I thought it was I liked how it was looked very utilitarian, very functional, um, and very um, what you would probably expect on a warship today. Mm-hmm. Lots of straight corners, um, every, uh, everything's yeah, like I said, utilitarian and functional. There was you get Enter- to discover curbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Enterprise um, had a little bit more of a design element to it, a little bit more of an aesthetic. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice ship, though, and it fit in with the whole last-minute uh, Ghosts of the Past theme. That it's, a, it's, a shame, it's a shame they, they had to uh, trash her. Yeah, well, I'm sure they could fix it up and put it in a museum or something. They get a museum for it. Yeah. Um, by museum. the way, everyone is totally scared of the fact that Sulu gets to sit in the captain's chair. He did that in the last film, too. Well, yeah. maybe I missed that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, um, you, you, you talk about a museum for a ship. That, um, in, in Star Trek canon, there is a, uh, a museum where old ships, um, so very famous ships, go to, um, to be on display. Yeah. Uh, Picard talks about the, uh, the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That uh, was uh, in the Smithsonian. Smithsonian, that's it, yep. I think it's the Smithsonian. Uh, they, they, I think it's called the Smithsonian a couple of times in in, in Star Trek history. Yeah. Uh, and it's, on Earth, it's an orbital. It's an orbital uh, museum. They've expanded. Got, uh, it's in space. It's expanded. Yes. Oh, that's cute. The Smithsonian is actually in, in right now as we uh, on Earth is bigger than just one building. It's actually yeah. quite a huge um, complex of museums. We never actually see this. Upgraded Smithsonian in any no, episode. We, it's we we never actually see it, but it's it's referenced a couple of times. Yeah. In space, is it kept near Earth? I would imagine it's in orbit of Earth somewhere. Yeah, or near. Why? Earth. If you're going to put it in space, put it far away in space. That's the general. <laughs> that's the stem- you to be. Well, never why can't it, be, why can't it be accessible to other people? Why well, is it is. Earth it is. <laughs> It is accessible to everybody. Hope in, so. It is. Or I'll write and complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've, so the, I imagine that's what pro, what they'll probably do with the Franklin once they fix it up as a relic of 
of a simpler time, so to speak. I like how they also show the um, the crew files and they go case closed, case yeah. closed. Now that they finally know what happened, yeah, indicating indicating in a way that Starfleet never truly actually gave up on them. Yeah, they just never found yeah. them. Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, that is actually, I can't argue with you. <laughs> missing, missing in action. Exactly. Yeah. They they never actually closed the case because they could never find them. Yeah. And That's cute. Of course, there's another... Tommy Crawl had seen that. I know. But they weren't actually doing anything. Yeah. Uh-uh. There was another big design element that um, surprisingly stayed unspoiled until... Well, still now, I don't think anybody's actually really talked about it. Uh, the, new the ship is it the new ship the new Enterprise uh, I was going to mention it earlier but I thought I'd wait Yeah, I actually can't I haven't seen it for long enough to figure out if I like it or not can't just giggle it nah it doesn't seem to exist and do you like anything that you saw it, it, so it's far? yeah we, all we've got right now is what you see in the end of the film that's yeah. it uh, Some somebody's probably got screen grabs somewhere I'll tell you what I do like the fact um, I'm still not quite don't quite like the aesthetic of these new films, but I do like the fact how um, when the neck comes down and meets the um, secondary hull, there's not too much of a protrusion in front of the neck. It's the neck's more or less where it should be. And then the cells are a bit smaller. Yes, everything looks a bit more... uh, It also looks like the cells are slightly wider apart as well, so it looks a little bit more in line with um, what I would call the Star Trek aesthetic. Give it, the give it a couple of weeks aesthetic. and they'll, they'll release a lot of high-definition images. Oh, def- def- definitely. Come back to the Franklin just for a moment before we abandon that. <laughs> the other bit of information I have, the Franklin's um, registry is yes. Leonard Nimoy's birthday. Yes, that's... Yeah, 26th of March, 326. Cool. Yeah. What? The, 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 the Franklin's registration number is NX326. They so March, really love well, yeah, he, he hey Leonard Nimoy is was Star Trek. So when we lost him, it was a big, big um, loss for uh, Trek fandom. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the same when Shatner goes. Like him or loathe him, it's going to be the same. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be the same. Nimoy's cool. Jokes, jokes. I know. I was just Shatner trying to be harsh and didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. So, yeah. so going back to the new Enterprise, I like I like how it looks. It lo- looks a little bit more balanced. It also, I loved the um, I loved the um, the, the what do you call it? Uh, the sped up. No, I hated that. Oh sped my god! The, 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 the sped up construction. I liked that. That that's that that was quite cool. I like that. I thought that was awful. <laughs> that was just time lapse. Awful. I could take early. Oh my god, no. I, I was like, how, really? I wonder how I long like, it took, though. Like, in real time. One, and this is like the end of every single like Guns N' Roses and John Bon Jovi music video. <laughs> and they're getting together like, their epic stages. And I was just like, why, why did you do that? I thought it was awful. That, that's them. I hated this, it. This is Star Trek. We're talking about Star Trek, not Guns N' Roses and stuff. <laughs> No, I, no, but I hated that sequence of, oh, they're going to speed up the, the equipment all getting put together, oh, look at how great and big it is, and like, uh, uh, But you get to see that they're reconstructing, they're constructing yeah, a new ship, and then there's going to be more of it. I, I like the music. 
It's just silly to have that little sequence in, and it, I hated it, and it, it made it really cheap. It made it really cheap. I hated it. I wonder how long they were actually there, you know, or how long they were waiting for the ship to be built. Because it's got to have taken at least a year, right? I was just thinking about all the computer design and programming for making that sequence. Well, I mean, when Kirk was looking at the original uh, Enterprise, uh, it was... It was some of the way through construction. It didn't launch for another three years. Indeed. So, how long? Did about, if, if you, if you, if you, uh, when we get to see it again, you'll you'll see that they actually it it phases from one part of the construction to the next. Yeah. It's not the total construction that you see uh, mm. in th- in um, in that sequence. Also, it looks like the star drive is more or less done because they're connecting the first part of the um, the saucer plate to the to the neck when we first see it. Yeah, well, they talk about how it's under construction at the start of the film as well. So it's it's been under construction for a little while. So who knows? Maybe maybe that t- time time lapse it equals say two years. Yeah. Does it matter? Does it have to be the same as the other no, like no, movies I'm, or I'm just, TV I'm just shows? Just it just uh, it just came to my mind at that point. You know, they were saying because oh, it was ready when it was Kirk's it's birthday done. party. He was, um, you know, they were like, "We're going back out there, and we've got uh, our times." going to be what it was we haven't we haven't had it reduced and stuff but we need to wait on this new ship being built apparently yeah. oh yeah why not yeah sometimes uh, sometimes crews uh, in real life um they get assigned uh, shore duty until uh, until a, a ship can be found for them it, it does appear like um it does sound like St- uh, starfleet again historically accurate is quite th- uh, thinly spread I mean, they lost a lot of ships in the first film. Yeah. And um, people. So, and people, yeah. And people. So it's, Starfleet is um, spread thinly, so there may not be another ship for them. They're on a starbase, so they might as well just do um, uh, conduct training and such like to get prepared for the, for the next mission. You guys can have a year off while we finish your ship. <laughs> Indeed. Or here's, here's, here's training exercises for you to do yeah. to keep, it, keep, keep my mind active. Yeah, so that'll be for the next film. We'll see this new Enterprise in action and see whether we like it or not. Uh, Indeed. I thought it looked okay uh, from what I can remember. I want to see it. I want to see a still image that I can look at for hours. I like how they kept the uh, registration. (laughs) That will become the background wallpaper for your phone. Possibly. (laughs) I liked how they kept the registry convention and they've put an A at the end of the registry. Bit earlier than the last timeline, but yeah. Uh, yeah, true. Um, so I guess that counts as the first Easter egg we're talking about. There's more Easter eggs uh, up to and including a picture of the original crew. I loved that. I I actually went oh when I saw that because it's so poignant because there's yeah. so, so many of them are actually not with us anymore. Yeah, it it was a little homage to all of well, them, two not of, just three of them. Three of them aren't with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a big homage to all of them, and. I get the impression that there was originally a scene written with Leonard Nimoy and Spock involved that would take that photograph's place. Ah, uh, no, I didn't get that to, impression. They never got to film. I don't know, there was something about it that felt a bit kind of... No, I, I think it was... Then. I think that was actually um, just their way of uh, just saying a, a, a respectful farewell. I don't think they they ever they never intended to to film with him. He was never linked to this new film in any way, shape, or form. So I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's a that's a patch job. 
I think that's actually that's how they intended to do it in the first place, and they've done they did it well. Yeah, it was a nice moment. I just wonder what the reactions of the other members of the crew would be that weren't Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Sulu goes from being Korean to Japanese. <gasps> Because John Cho is Korean of descent, I think. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it felt kind of, to me, it felt a bit too fan servicey. I mean, it's obviously a nice moment, yeah. but just to have a very kind of blatant picture of uh, <laughs> of the old crew. But you know, for me, it worked. Some some people it, like it. Some yeah. people like for it. For me, it worked because they've already had Nimoy in these films, so they've established that this new crew are an offshoot of those old crew. So. You know, Chris Pine has Shatner in his future, so to speak. Yeah. Whether he likes it or not. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, there was all, I guess there was all sorts of little Easter eggs. Um, the, the the Franklin and Makos and stuff were all a big Easter egg to Enterprise. Yeah. Um, there the, the definitely more that I missed as well. Because... Uh, because. I'm sure there's going to be more uh, when I, when I rewatch it at some point. I'm probably going to go ah. Yeah, the Kirk ripping his shirt. Yep, that was. Funny. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. And the, obviously the episode, uh, you know, it's all becoming episodic. Yeah. Um, That's a little nod to the TV, TV show. Chekhov mentions that, uh, that that Scotch was invented by a little old lady in Russia. Didn't the actual the old uh, Walter Koenig um, Chekhov say that at some point as well? Yeah, he, well, it was a little old lady in Leningrad, but yeah. That, there we go, yeah. Uh, so there was all that, yeah. And obviously there was a reference to them finding whiskey in his locker. Yep. Um, I can't think of any other Easter eggs. Was maybe was there any Easter eggs to, say, Fast and Furious, perhaps, or other mm. films that you would have picked up on Angus or Natalie? Um, well, I thought, yeah, there were... were, were discussed earlier about we were kind of stepping in and giving it the plain speak explanation of what was going to happen that's quite fast and furious but you said that that's quite Star Trek-y as well anyway yeah. um, what else I'm trying to think family anytime we mention family the crew being a family I suppose the, the whole family aspect that's very fast and furious very Star Trek as well so I suppose they yeah. combine in those ways Mm. See, you need to go back and uh, watch Fast and Furious to appreciate it for all its for how well, it's been by Star Trek. Justin Lin's has been has been a Star Trek fan for quite some time, so I wonder if he took those elements from Star Trek and moulded them into Fast and Furious. Possibly. Yeah, and now Fast and Furious gets the credit for inspiring Star Trek, even though it was Star Trek that inspired Fast and Furious. Yeah, there you oh. go. Temporal causality loop. <laughs> That's so Star Trek. Yeah, you know. Your grandfather's not your grandfather, but he is, but he isn't. You're your own grandfather and stuff like that. Yeah, and there was the odd reference to Kirk's father, who apparently will be in the next film somehow. I don't know if they're just noising us up well, about that. Someone, I, so I, someone wrote something somewhere that uh, when Into Darkness had been poorly received, they were talking about how they were planning a sequel with Shatner and they were going to film in South Korea, and then they never did the, either of those things. Uh, I don't mm. remember the story myself, but I saw someone wrote about it somewhere. Um, but yeah, I wonder if they're... Although Chris Hemsworth has said he can't wait to work with Chris Pine in the next film. I would imagine there'll be some sort... There's going to be some sort of um, universe travel. He's going to... He's 
Kirk is, again, this is so Star Trek. Kirk crosses into a mirror universe where his dad's still alive. That's my, that's my, that's what my money's on. Yeah, could be. And he meets his dad, and there's there's a there's a, there's a WTF moment and su- such like. Yeah. But he's some knowledge gained from the mirror universe to save his own. Possibly, yeah. Maybe they might want to uh, rehash that again. Yeah, well, judging by their own time travel rules established in the first film, any use of time travel would create an alternate timeline, which we don't want another one of those. Yep. Or it could go back. It could be a, a flashback to um, a cer- to a certain period. Maybe I think they would want. Who knows? Them, I think they would want uh, Kirk and George interacting in some way, though. That would be interesting. I don't know. But he was mentioned more than once. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. So maybe that maybe that's a little precursor. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any other Easter eggs. Um, but there was a handful. I'm glad that they didn't beat us over the head with with too much annoying fan service. Yes, mm-hmm. there was there was just enough there to make it funny and make yeah. you go ah. That's that's quite nice, but it didn't take away from the rest of the film. The film was still its own on its own right. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was well judged. Absolutely, and, yeah. I, and I'll and I'll put that down to Lynn, uh, uh, Justin Lynn, and uh, Peg being big Star Trek fans. And Doug Young, he wrote it too. Oh yeah, yeah. yep, forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Um, yeah, I do think that. Um, as my closing thought, I suppose uh, I do think the franchise is back on track after stumbling in the second one and I couldn't be more delighted that Star Trek is good again yes and my final thought is um, more or less is exactly the same way this is this is more or less Star Trek how it should be it's still not quite perfect but it's never going to be because we're never going to get the Star Trek that we had back and that's not such a bad thing no um, it's still a bit well I think there's less action uh, in this one than there is in the previous ones and I like that and I, I didn't feel it was out of place either but I would still again I would have as I've said many times I would have quite liked it if the swarm were these uh, this unknowable sentient force rather than having a clear leader it would have been interesting definitely yeah. would have made them far more deadly and much more much, much less well Kral couldn't be reasoned with either so yeah couldn't, you couldn't reason with the swarm either then, so... Yeah. More faceless. Sometimes a faceless villain uh, that is just powerful, and you have to outsmart instead of actually out-muscle, is, that can be very good. I mean, the worst thing they ever did to the Borg was introduce the Borg Queen, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. So until, until then, the Borg were actually quite a credible threat to anything... But yeah, I could imagine the um, if they didn't have a central villain, then the the feedback on the swarm would have been, well, they weren't, they had no face, they, they couldn't talk to them, you know. So. No, I'm st- I'm still seeing some people going, this 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 film was utter utter crap. Um, this is not Star Trek and everything, and I really they, those people must have gone and seen some other film, really, because <laughs> honestly, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you your dues if you don't like the first two, because I enjoyed them just as films not as part of the universe, just as films as on their own. I enjoyed them. But this one is much more like the Star Trek that I've, that I've grown up with uh, and love. Yeah. Uh, and I don't understand how some people, someone can t- watch that, stand up and go, crap! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
a friend of mine actually said um, after seeing this one, it was, where was this two films ago? Why did we waste time with this, uh, with those two, and not get this first time? You know, he's, yeah. he's kind of annoyed actually in a lot of ways that there are well, um, that they've wasted two films because a lot of these actors might not come back for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's any um, it's any coincidence that the the first film that JJ's not uh, in charge of is the better film. Yeah. JJ is he's a Star Wars fan at the end of the day, yeah. and he 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 just stuck too much Star Wars into it. Yeah. Um, Angus Natalie, what uh, if you have a final thought on this whole experience? <laughs> I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There were lots of elements I liked. I think I liked the first half a bit more, the setup, the, the initial attack on the Enterprise, the introduction to Yorktown was all amazing. Um, I liked the being stranded on the alien world. I liked the crew getting to pair off and go off and do their own things, work together that way, kind of um, working out the relationships and things. Um, and then, you know, second half, motorcycle chase, didn't like as much, didn't like to have a villain that be punched in the face uh, just for the sake of it um, but you know I, I, I like the kind of final space battle and overall yeah I would agree that this is is the best of the, of the three newest films and um, yeah it sort of goes well for the future for what we're going to see next yeah hopefully they won't screw it up again like in the next one you know the, the the new films it's an even number curse instead of an odd number curse <laughs> <laughs> oh it, it does try to be different yeah <laughs> uh, and that well, do you have fight, fight yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it when I saw it and we just saw it like two days ago um, but I have to be honest the moment we've talked about it and people have broken it down and stuff I'm a bit like did I like it as much as I think I did? <laughs> but I'm just going to have to go with yes. Yes, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I don't think it's always necessary to break it apart as much as you guys do. Um, We're so the enjoyment levels. That's what we do. Well, of course. I generally don't take things apart. Who will just, love just thinking about every single bit and how it all came together. I think it's really good that it's worked for me as someone who isn't really privy to the ins and outs of the Star Trek world, but I also think it's good that um, it does have all of these hidden hidden levels in it. So, um, yeah, apart from some sloppy kicks, a weird villain story, um, introduced a bit too late, and uh, that bike, um, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, so that was good. and, and again, of pronouncing Yorktown apparently. That as well, <laughs> and also um, there's like there's a sadness watching it as well, just because of the the um, the awful Anton. situation with uh, Anton. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's, for me, I was quite aware of that the whole time I was watching it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it's good to watch. Well, with, yeah, with Nimoy's death can, is sort of acceptable in the sense that he was in his 80s and he's had a good kick at the ball, you know, so to speak. And uh, someone who's reached 83 years old and dies, that's not necessarily a tragedy. Um, but someone. Yeah, I mean, it's quite different, you know, I mean, of it's passing the... through old age or from a, like a freak accident. It's you just know, the like... way it happened as well. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's, no, like, it's, um, it's, it's just... It's... 
dad. Yeah. 27 years old like that, I think. So especially on the cusp of something where we really think that he could have been um, could have really been great yeah, so. for the want of a better handbrake yeah so yeah uh, but Star Trek's good again and that's that's positive that's the main thing yeah yeah. we celebrated yeah oh, I, I enjoyed it so it was very good so yeah, I think that about wraps up our... I uh, might have to get transport to the kitchen. I'm starving. Well, I'll be sure to beam you there. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you put some food in my fridge as well, please? <laughs> uh, I don't know if my transporters are that good, but I'll see what I can do. See when you beam me back. See when you, when you beam me back, could you give me back my clothes? I'm I'll, quite cold. I'll think about <laughs> it. Uh, you must be <laughs> So there's a... Yeah, so that about wraps up our discussion on Star Trek Beyond. And um, maybe next time there will be a podcast that's not about Star Trek. I'm welcome to it, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. that's four out of five. Hey, start strong. Start with something, you know. <laughs> Although, we'll probably come back to Star Trek because the 50th anniversary is coming up. So. Yeah. But there may be one podcast that's not Star Trek before the next one. The next Star Trek one. But yeah. I like Star Trek, so deal with it, internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, deal with it. Like it or lump it. So we can talk about Ghostbusters, I suppose. I haven't seen it, but sure. I've, 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 I I saw it the other day. Talk about the original, I suppose. I can talk about that. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Really wasting away. I need to go. (laughs) Go, 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 and go and beat Natalie out of here. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you to thank you to my bridge crew. And I will energise. Thank you for coming. Thank you for talking. It's been a blast. Rich crew, you're welcome. Live, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Energy. Bye. Sponge. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Over and out. So, there we have it. Our discussion of the rebooted Star Trek films comes to an end. Or does it? Nah, it's over. Thanks to my guests, Angus, Natalie and Sandy for coming on this journey with me and we'll see you in the next non-Star Trek edition of Neil Before Pod. <laughs>